0: Today's episode is sponsored by Dial a Mower, a lawn care service that specializes in property cleanup, hedge trimming, mulch bed installations, and mowing services. They have been serving the New Bedford community and surrounding areas since 2015. When quality service matters, you can call the professionals at Dial a Mower. Their number is 774-634-634. Six two hundred. That is seven seven four six three four six two hundred. Dial Amar. Actually, we're just going to go live. Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to the Really Charlie Podcast. My name is Charlie Perry. And my most impressive guest here, Laurel Berryman. I love this young lady, this leader, and um, you know I'm glad she's here. Um, but let's just say good afternoon to everyone. How you doing, Laurel?
1: Hi, Charlie. Thanks again for having me. It's a it's a big honor. I've um, been. I know we, we talked about getting this done for a while, so I'm glad to finally be here. Um, I'm doing well. You know, just holiday stuff and spending money I don't have on. People I love, but it, it, hey, it's worth it. You know, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well, you know, family, work, podcasting, the radio station, you know, and just doing things that I didn't do in my uh, very proud career as a law enforcement officer, police officer in the city of New Bedford. So now I get to do the things that I wanted without being filtered. Um, and worrying about answering to someone because I said something, I did something. Uh, At least now I could kind of be myself. Um, Well, I always was myself, but, you know, I had to pay attention to how I spoke because I was representing so many different titles, you know?
1: Right, right.
0: So, but uh, we're going to give a little bio of my guest, my outstanding guest. And um, we let's see. Got to put my glasses on so I can read this fine print here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, viewers, listeners, this is my guest, my 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 leader, as I call it. She is a leader, um, a trained facilitate, facilitator, speaker, and thought leader. Laurel A. Berryman is set is setting a new standard for institutions throughout the northeastern part of USA, uh, US. In abolishing systematic racism ableism and gender discrimination her commitment to using education as a tool for reform reform empowerment and identity drives her professional and personal life in 2020 laurel graduated magna laude from the university of massachusetts dartmouth with a ba in women's and women's and gender studies including a focus in pre-law. Laurel specializes in workplace development, program coordination, and facilitation, information technology, and sustaining the principles of diversity, equity, and inclusion. In her current role as human resource assistant in the institutional equity and human resources at Community College of Rhode Island, also known as CCRI, Laurel brings her DEI background into recruitment and talent acquisition to establish and maintain an equitable and diverse workplace and working environment. She has been featured in several media outlets, including MTV, Medium, and Apple Podcasts. Most recently, she has been featured as a panelist on the renowned YouTube channel, The Grapevine. No, awesome awesome and that, that's only a little part you know i know better than that you know there's <laughs> definitely more to you than this little short bio so but uh it's the meat and potatoes and that's what i like about right. having you on here right
1: there's only so okay. many characters LinkedIn allows. allows so. allows <laughs> exactly. the, the meat and
0: potatoes that's right yeah. that's right um the uh subject in hand today for you and I is critical race theory. It's definitely all over the country it's uh, and and I was I was on on YouTube talking you know listen to quite a few things like one of my daily things I do is listen to the Daily show and they were talking about critical race theory and how it, it just uh, you know it's as old as the afro. And then when you kind of think yeah. about it, it is as old as the Afro. So when you, you're looking at pictures that you see and you're saying, wow, that sub, his subject matter has been in place for, for a while. And now here it is, 2021. Now people want to jump on and talk about it. So you actually, it took you that much time. It took you a lifetime, people's lifetimes to actually talk about this. It's crazy. You know, and there was a point in the nineteen nineties where they did try to bring it in forward and uh you know, and it just didn't take it didn't take on the steam, you know, and then all of a sudden now it's up again. So um critical race theory.
1: Do you well, have a definition? What's ahead. interesting is is that even before, um, you know, the Afro era, right? Before the 70s, when legal scholars were talking about critical race theory and bringing it to the table, it critical race theory has been a thing that has been discussed um, mostly amongst Black scholars and academics and everyday people since the I mean, since America's inception, right? When our yes. ancestors were stolen and brought here, similarly to, I know you and I both love Kimberly Crenshaw, intersectionality, right? She gave mm-hmm. it a name, but yes. that concept of the, you know, the the your different identities um, shaping your experience has been being discussed since, you know, Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth in the mm-hmm. 18th century. Um, it just didn't have a name. And then again, I think it's, and and this is going a little bit off topic, but it's just one of the really, kind of sinister things, I think, about these the, the new generations of people, which one of I'm a part of, obviously, but people just act like it's new. Like mm-hmm. you discovered critical race theory because you saw the TED Talk first and you posted mm-hmm. about it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, no, it's been here, like you said, since it's been here forever. Um, yes. and, and the thing about it as well that, that you mentioned, and I'm glad that you mentioned it, is that even now it, it, it maybe didn't um, take in the in the nineties, right? People didn't wanna discuss it. Um, A lot of that is even though now we live in a post-racial society because we had one black president, even back then it was just like, if, if there's not a racist person in the bunch or a racist thing being taught in this class, for example then racism, you don't need to worry about it. We don't need to discuss it. And so even now it's not taking now. It's just that people are so angry about it that they keep discussing it. And what's funny is that Republicans, namely, and I, I'll just say at the outset that it's not just Republicans, there's Democrats, there's all kinds of different people within the political sphere who don't know what critical racery is, who oppose it, or who don't do anything to stop what's, you know, happening with it. Um, it's just, it's not, you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. they're they're all doing it. And so it's just not being protected in that way. And then it gets misconstrued, And the way that people discuss it is not what it's supposed to be. It's not what it is. And it's very simple. It's a very simple theory.
0: And trying to cover it. and, And I'm like, well, why are you trying to cover up something you don't understand? If you don't understand it, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So, you know, ignorance could be, you know, um, could be touched upon and 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 then actually just actually just bring it to discussion and and that's all it was was a discussion it was basically educated people discussing it from and where we got this acronym a crt you know and and it's one thing i like about discussion and there's one thing i dislike is trying to shut up people and it's like wait a minute you know let them speak let's hear it let's hear it out so,
1: but, um, but isn't um, that America's MO though, yeah. right? Like, hasn't it always been like that? Like, if we don't understand you then you just can't fit in here, right? <clears throat> like I was, I always talk, I was talking about this with someone the other day because of Thanksgiving um, and why it shouldn't be celebrated and decolonizing it and all of those things um, in terms of not understanding, right? Like what happened not only to our community but indigenous communities you know, after their land, not only was their land stolen from them, not only were they, you know, massacred, but those that survived were put in schools where they were taught that all of their spirituality is completely, it's just wrong. It doesn't make sense. You having long hair? No, we're going to cut that. And you're going to mm-hmm. look like this. And you're going to change your name from your indigenous tribe. That means something that gives you a a feeling of identity, which I want to talk about identity as it relates to critical race theory a little later. Um, But taking away that identity and giving you a a white name, a European name, right? Mm -hmm. And and taking that away from you. And so, hasn't that always been, right? Like what America does? It's just if it doesn't fit their narrative of the land of the free and the home of the brave, when it Mm -hmm. reveals the truth behind this country's inception. No, we're not going to talk about it. If you talk about it, you're getting blocked. You're getting, you know, ostracized, unfriended, whatever. Um, yeah. That's nothing new.
0: Yeah, it isn't. It's it's the same old, same old makeup, you know, and uh, sometimes people need a makeover. America needs a makeover slightly, you know. Well, I can't say slightly. It needs a makeover. It needs it a definitely makeover. definitely does. And um, so, I mean, I'm a happier man. I, I I don't want to go anywhere else. Do I want to see other things? Yeah, I do. I do want to see other things. I want to see other cultures. You know, I got a culture shock moving from Massachusetts to California. Mm-hmm. And that's within the same country, you know, mm-hmm. and I learned and, and and got to meet people, very great, you know, people I'm still friends with, you know. Mm-hmm. So, hey, we got a friend on, our, on the comment section, Gardner Greeny.
1: The How are you doing?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good afternoon, so, but uh, let's go. let's start with our first question, me to you, and it says uh is critical race critical race theory more political now?
1: Yes, um again, to start that question off anything that brings about the truth of something becomes in America, becomes political. Um, a lot of the things you're talking about, The Daily Show and The Daily Show does an excellent job of, of they, you know, obviously mix it in with comedy, but showing um, the backlash of, of, of just people. It, it, uh, I saw a clip the other day and it was all of these different people, mostly on Fox News, um, but just giving these outrageous definitions of critical race theory, like they don't know what it is. They're just threatened by it. True. And so it's become political in that sense. Um, it's interesting when we talk about whiteness, right? Whiteness and privilege um, that there are literally laws being passed right now and people advocating for laws to be passed for their children to learn less, for mm-hmm. their books to be smaller, like imagine the amount of privilege you have to have to to actually like want that to happen and it's and it's and it's happening it's in the works like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't make any sense so this just the span of just the privilege mixed in with critical all of these things it's it's really intense and a, a lot of it you know i we're not going to be able to get to it on this podcast i studied it for 4 years and i'm mm-hmm. still learning more about it so it's very complicated and i just want the audience to understand that if you walk away from this and you still don't understand all of the nuances and all of the different things, um, it's okay. But just understand, again, critical race theory is very basic. So I know you mentioned this a little bit earlier from the 70s and the Afro era and stuff like that. So basically um, legal scholars in the 70s, were seeking to answer the question, why after having two decades of civil rights laws being passed and protections for people of color, why are there still so many human rights violations happening? Why is there still such a racial issue in America? And those professors taught people like our hero, Kimberly Crenshaw, who went and Mm -hmm. taught other people who I, I studied, Kimberly Crenshaw, who now we are asking the question, we're going deeper than just saying the law, the law itself, the institution of the law, right, clearly has an issue with race. But then now we now in this generation and this kind of school of of upcoming civil rights attorneys, we're asking ourselves, you know, what is it about the American fabric itself? Um, Because it's not just law. It also translates to the education system, prisons, hospitals, all Mm -hmm. of these different American institutions, right? There's inequities in all of them and racial barriers and things and all of these things. And so you have to ask yourself, it goes beyond just that institution. It's not just the hospitals, it's not just the law. It's America, who created America? Who created these laws? Who are these uh, these laws created to benefit? Who are these laws created to oppress? And you have Mm -hmm. to ask yourself those things because these laws that were created when the founding fathers were doing what they were doing, all kind of black magic, they, you know, those laws still exist. They're still here now, right? And so how do those laws that were created all the way back then when Black people were slaves, you know, and Indigenous people were being pushed off their land and murdered, how how does that play into now? How does that play when you have a group of people who are white, heterosexual, cisgendered, landowning men being the ones to say, this is how America runs. This is what we do. This is what we don't do. This is what we believe. This is who we're going to love. This is who we're not going to love. This is in a country full of women, queer folks, all kind of different black people, immigrants, all kind of different people. And you had one group of people creating the laws. Yeah. Right. It's a, no.
0: <laughs> and it, it, it's why it's so important to uh, to vote, to get out there and vote and not just register to cast your vote. You know, so many people think that, all right, I did my job. I registered right. to vote. Right. the vote. But you need to vote. And whether, whether it's for one side or the other, I just think that it's very, very important that we all vote. Um, and uh, when I did campaign and, and try to run for the mayor of the city of New Bedford, you know, and, and, and later on after the loss, I, I just, I, um, you know, I'd look at it and I say, wow, look at all these people that didn't vote and names and people that I that I know personally would have made the outcome much different, much, much different, you know? Right. And uh, so, but anyways, um, so this, with you coming on board and, and we setting up this podcast, it allows me to be, it allows me to dig a little bit deeper on the subject and, and just try to get educated myself. Right. Um, and and we all get caught up in different personal likes and dislikes and um this is something that i do like and i'm going to pay attention to much often just because um you know i'm not going to go out there and and try to fight every battle you know i'm going to fight it when i can i'm going to bring on podcasts that are just like this you know and, and have people talk about it um and and that's what i'm going to try to do you know um i can i only have so much stamina you know you kind of get burned out as you as these these national and local elections have been going on and you, you find a fight, 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 fight. And then finally, you got to you got to inhale, catch your breath and then exhale and then begin again. So but uh, this comment here says, Charlie, look at all the inventions made by african american excuse me, that never was told to us as kids in school, which is so true. You know, you kind of think of all the things that were invented by, by an African-American and, and, and it's some, it's one of the most useful or one of the favorite, most favorite things that you have, you know, from, I mean, they'll tell you about peanut butter and and, and who invented it or who, you know, and, and and those are little things, you know, but what about the big things, you know, what about the, you know, um the placement of, of of a satellite up in the orbit up in orbit you know put in orbit you know that's all a black enge- um scientist. you know those are all different things you know and, and and we have someone from my own town you know new bedford who had a huge part in that you know being being an airman in the air force you know huge right. part
1: of it and and People even Right. And even speaking of New Bedford and my family history a little bit, like the whaling industry. How often in, in our textbooks and in New Bedford and just the histories that we hear, do you hear about the Cape Verdean advancements in the whaling industry? You know, like you don't, it's 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 Portuguese or it's immigrants, but like there were like the 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 run runaway enslaved people and Cape Verdean people who immigrated here, some of which were Shanghai and brought here um they built this industry they built the whaling industry they lit the world but right. it's still it's still spoken about from a white perspective everything is watered down and the, the the histories and the truths behind it is all watered down another thing i wanted to share a funny story with you um, for the person posting the comment um, i actually used to one of the shows i used to love 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 to watch after school was the parkers with uh, monique and it would come on BET like every day at like five o'clock or whatever. And I, um, there was this episode that they had for their Black History Month special or whatever. Um, and one of the projects that they did, um, one of them, and it's funny because the white character on the show did this project, but she created this entire long, long list and presented it. Um, and, sh- and she found that you cannot lit, and it's a fact because I looked it up. Um, you, Americans, um, cannot lit, like. Virtually everything that we do—that's a part of our day-to-day lives—something was touched by an African American person. Fitted bed sheets, hmm. peanut butter, like you said, stoplights, Jack Daniels, like all of these things were created by Black people, and we don't—and we don't know. We don't know. I—I I didn't learn it in school, and I went to private schools and and Catholic and Christian schools, right, um, where the education was a little more. It could be kind of you know things were taught differently, but I still never learned those things, I learned about it on the Parkers after school and all the other black sitcoms, right? What's that about? Why Mm -hmm. am I going to school if I'm not learning history?
0: So true. And I I mean, I, throughout, let me see. I I wanna say late nineties, I was thinking about kind of being a teacher, you know, on the side and doing whatever I had to. And the thing that I wanted to be is a history teacher only because it kept me interested why should I do anything else if I'm not interested in it? If I, if I decide to do something, let me do history because you know what, I'm always going to be entrenched in it. I'm always going to be interested in it. So if I bring it to the students in the classroom, guess what? I'm just going to be a better, better teacher, you know, and um mm-hmm. I love it. So the, uh, but I, I, history is very, very important and it's a huge, I don't think I, I think I know all of my history teachers, you know, and, and one was Mr. Dow and uh, this guy was amazing. He just bring, he, he caught my attention instantly being in front of that class and nothing, he didn't, he didn't shy away from anything, you know, and um, and I, I, I love that about him. So, you know, and he was a white man talking about black history, you know, and he, he didn't leave, he didn't need someone to tell him, All right, let's do it in February. This guy was doing it every single week. He was doing something. Something came up, which is the reason why I mention it is because everything that, you know, we were talking about, he always bring someone else into the classroom, uh, an African-American into the subject matter. And he can always apply it to it, whether it was the Revolutionary War, whether it was slavery, whether it was... um, You know, the Korean War, you know, anything that he bring up, he was always bringing, you know, an African-American into light. So,
1: And just um, imagine that if if you were in school now, that that teacher would be fired for Mm -hmm. teaching those kind of things. He would be fired and he would be fighting, probably filing a lawsuit right now because that's what's going on, right? Imagine that.
0: Yeah, what's it, um, And how
1: that might have changed the, traje- the trajectory of your life and what you believe and what you know. And this <laughs> is what kids today, as we speak, are dealing with.
0: So true. Yeah. Michael, Michael Joe Santos says, we we were in the stoveboats. The statue in front of the library is historically incorrect. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, the model for that statue um, was actually an African-American. And... Uh, then they changed it, you know, and uh, uh Russell Ramus, who works in the library, he tells a great, great story about that. I'll have to get him on and that would be another podcast in itself, but you know, he explains the whole story, you know. In fact, if you're ever looking to someone to speak on that, you know, Mike, uh, Russell Ramus is the guy to talk to. So, the, um all right, let's see. Great, great comments. I want to tell you, everyone out there thank you thank you for coming in and, and giving us your time um, and your energy especially these comments and praising my guest you know for, which is well well deserved she definitely needs to hear this because you know sometimes you don't get to hear the the great things when you're fighting a, a, um, a very I don't want to say taboo subject, but a subject that people just don't want to talk about. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm very, very happy with all these comments. Um, let's see. Let's bring, you know, dear friend of mine, constant supporter here. Uh, and it's always hello. Good afternoon. I really, really appreciate it. Um, let's see. Just want to bring these up before we bring up the next question. We are proud of people, and you know, Charlie, how the Black Panthers fed us young kids when our families had no money. So true, you know. That was my breakfast, you know, and, and taking us to, you know, to the various places, you know, um, to eat, and 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 the whole community came out. You know, people don't realize that the the breakfast was, you know, the Black Panther Party breakfast was was donations and contributions from organizations and and community people, both white and black, that were were part of this, you know, and people don't, it it wasn't just one-sided. There were so many people that were were, were helping out with this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Victor Tavaz from the famous Tavaz family. Hey, home guy, I love you Um, like the first one. Listen, Victor, I'm I'm nice nice to see that you're paying attention and, and I love it especially someone like him, um, you know, to be here listening to to you, Laurel, to listen to you and myself it's, it's very, very special. Absolutely. Because those are the – all right, let's do two more, and let's see. She needs to be recognized, of course. She is being recognized, to tell you the truth. She is being recognized. We just want to do and share, 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 share this podcast. You know, as you share it to your Facebook profile, you know, make sure it's public so people can comment on it and 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 actually and actually interact later on with Laurel and myself. You know, you may have questions, you may need to have, you may need some resources to to support what we're both saying or what others are saying. Great. And the, let's see, the last one is I'm so proud of my people. Of course, we all are. We all are. We all. Are. All Americans remember that you know it's no problem being proud of what we have here, we just want to make it better and included, right? Right? All right, let's see. All right, let's go with the second question here. And, um, by the way, you're doing a good job, you know, not that you need my approval. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
1: um, you, I try. All
0: right, let's see. And when you do see your your dad, give him a high five for me, you know, great dude. And you know, now I know where you get it from. You're just excelling oh, yeah. and making it much, yeah. much better.
1: Yeah, that guy, my dad's like a a walking history book. I mean, he yeah. some of the stories he has, I know we, we talked about it on that podcast that I did in, what was it, in 2017? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like he talks about um, my great grandfather was, I believe, 100% Blackfoot. Right, and Blackfoot, the indigenous tribe, lived in Mm -hmm. Tifton, Georgia, which was way out in the country. When you watch the like Mississippi Burning kind of movies like that, and you're like, this is not a place I would ever want to be in the South. That's where they lived, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, and he every summer um, they would take a road trip. He and his uncles, and I think his mom would go. My grandmother, my nana, and they would. Uh, they would road trip all the way down to Clifton, Georgia, and my dad has stories of, you know, being from Boston now, Roxbury, right? Um, mm-hmm. up in the 50s and 60s, didn't see the, the the separate water fountains and things like that, right? And, uh, you know, he has his story about stopping at a at a rest stop and um, he saw the white and colored. Uh, water fountains, and he was like, "I'm not drinking from that one. Why? Like, first of all, why does it say colored, and why is it filthy? And the water's yellow? And no. And he went to go drink out of the white one, and and uh, his uncle, thank God, who was with him, who grew up there, was like, "No, no, 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 no," and gripped him up quickly, and they left. And it's like, wow, um, you could have been an Emmett Till, <laughs> right? I,
0: I um, was getting ready to say that
1: breaking those unwritten ready. laws, those Jim Crow laws. Um, crazy. And so grow, you know, growing up with that, uh, I call us an Eyes on the Prize family. Every Martin Luther King's day mm-hmm. when, when Eyes on the Prize, that PBS special would come on, my brother and I, mm-hmm. When we were kids. We stayed up. We had to take naps during the day. We stayed up till eleven o'clock at night on a Sunday, whenever the, whatever it was before school the next day, to watch that. So my dad made sure that we knew our our, our roots as African Americans and the the, uh, the steps that we've taken uh, in our family and just in our community in general um, to fighting against um, oppression and racism. So it's it's I take it very seriously. You know, it's, it's a matter of life and death. Um, it really is, and I wish people would talk about it more so in that context and and it's it's just not discussed like that unfortunately not that I see it not these days you know
0: true um, victor tavares asked who is your dad um, that's up to you if you want to answer um,
1: oh yeah no he would appreciate the 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 clout i think um, <laughs> his name is uh, my dad's name is leroy berryman junior um awesome. and uh he's a Broxbury native, so grew up in in Boston his whole life um and then you know he and my mom met and they moved to New Bedford and we were raised in New Bedford in the north End um my whole life. I've been in New Bedford, so yeah, he's a drummer. Very, very used to play with, um, Aretha Franklin, James Brown. Um, and he would play in his now, you know, he's out of his like rock star phase, I think in his, uh, mm-hmm. older age, he plays at, at church now. So he, he uses his gifts for the glory of God now. So yeah. That's awesome. At church. You
0: know, coming from the music, uh, coming from the music industry, you know, Victor's probably come across him over the years and, um, definitely knows who he is. Um, So
1: yeah.
0: uh, second question is, um, how does teaching critical race theory benefit and empower students of color?
1: So that's a a great question. I'm glad you asked. Thank you. It's very loaded, right? There's a lot of different ways. I think the main Mm -hmm. one is identity and truth, right? Um, First of all, I want to say, and again, in, in getting you know, our listeners and things to understand critical race theory. Um, critical race theory is something, again, and I, I say it like that because like when you watch even MSNBC, even if you're far, you know, you're not agreeing with the far right at all and you try not to listen to them, even when you're clicking past channels, like you'll turn the TV off to not hear what they're saying, right? Even if you're not listening to them, even on MSNBC, sometimes the people that get on there are talking about it like a, you know, and it's a graduate level theory. It is. I mean, people learn this in grad school. Right. Um, But they talk about it from that perspective. They don't break it down. Right. Mm -hmm. The way that I can break it down is to to express that people of color live critical race theory every single day. Every time you leave your house, you're living in critical race theory. Right. So when you get in the car and you're wearing a hoodie, or something, right? And a police pulls you up you see a police officer driving past you or behind you. You start to theorize in your head what might happen um, if you forget it, whether you do anything wrong or not, what, what might happen because I'm black and I'm wearing a, a dark hoodie and the hood's on and there's a police officer behind me, right? That critical race theory, right? Um, mm-hmm. At this point, you know, being in your house alone or playing loud music and knowing you're living in a neighborhood that's predominantly white, you have theories as to what might happen if you throw that party, or if you invite all your black family members or whatever racial background you're from, but you invite all these people who are non-white into this area and you're listening to cultural music and dancing, what, what might they do? You know, like, so that fear that we live in, uh, which is very valid, although it's not fair, um, and perhaps it's a piece of ancestral trauma, but that's how we survive. That's critical race theory. So we Mm -hmm. live it every single day. And so for kids to learn that, like I said, it's a graduate level theory and there's a lot of nuances to it. It's very complicated. It gets into talking about, you know, decolonial thought and what America would look like if it was decolonized and all those things, which are very, very complicated. just to learn their history, to be able to make those connections that, oh yeah, when I went to the store the other day, I thought that maybe if that clerk was following me, it might be because of this. And for them to understand that's critical race theory, perfect example. But the biggest piece, like I was saying before, is, is absolutely, absolutely is identity. Um, I tell this story in uh you know, I'm not shy about it, um, to be completely honest with you, because um, I believe not only is there power and testimony, but, you know, it's important for people to know. A lot of people, especially in New Bedford, can relate. Um, I identify as a multiracial Black woman, right? I'm uh, African American. I am Portuguese, all, all kind of things. I'm not going to start naming them, um, but yeah. <laughs> that's how I identify. Um, and I grew up with my uh, mom's Cape Verdean side of her family. My dad's family all lives in Boston and Florida and things like that. And so I grew up being socialized around my mom's family in New Bedford. And as you know, and, and this is not something I'm gonna get too deep into because this could be a whole nother episode, <laughs> but for multiple reasons, um, namely the, always the foundation being anti-blackness that's internalized, Cape Verdean people do not, they do not uh, identify with their African heritage. We are Africans, there's no mm-hmm. way to right? Our ancestors were kidnapped from all different parts of Africa, which we have that identity, problem, so we don't know, right? Could have been Nigeria, could have been South Africa, could have been Kenya, but they were taken from parts of Africa, brought to this island, traded as slaves, right? And then everything happened after that and here, here we are. Um, but that's how I grew up. And so I identified in a lot of ways as white, because mm-hmm. you know my mom looks white. Her 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 skin color. She's very very light. Even though she identifies as a black woman. But that's what I was seeing. You know what I mean? On my mom's side of the family, they're very you know favoring the the Portuguese roots in in terms of color and features. And so that's how I grew up. And going to schools, being you know my brother and I, be maybe being two of five people of color in the entire school. And I'm talking students and teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you grow up and you're you're dating you know white boys and all your friends are white girls and there's nothing wrong with that but you're losing that side of who you are you don't understand who you are or you know appreciate the natural texture of your hair and things like that and so it became to a point because that was all I was being socialized around, I grew to hate my Blackness and I wanted to do the things that I could do to run as far away from that as I could because as a kid, only being raised in whiteness, not being taught um, Black history and things like that in school, I grew to learn, which is something that kids learn every, all of us learn every day, is that the closer you are to whiteness, the closer you are to being successful. Whiteness equals success right? It equals power. It equals money. And that's the American dream. That's what we all want, right? We all want to have the big house and the dog and the marriage and the this, whatever. And to do that, you have to be cl- as close to whiteness as you can get. And so that's what I tried to do. And it, and, you know, it, it, I was depressed because I could never achieve that, right? I was always the black girl and they would, and people would weaponize that against me or whatever it was. And once I reached higher education and I took on uh, women's and gender studies, I started to learn what anti-black racism was, how it's internalized in all of us. Again, someone just mentioned in the comments that they can relate. It's not just mm-hmm. me. You know, every black child in America is socialized to hate themselves. When you go to toy stores, you don't see black dolls now. You do, but, but when we were all kids, you know, you don't see black toys. When you see beauty pageants and everything else, they're all white or they're very light, racially ambiguous. You know, black men or women that could be Puerto Rican or they could be this, anything that's you know, just getting further and further away from blackness. And that's what we're raised to believe is what you need to just do, right? And so when I when I, you know, started studying women's and gender studies at UMass Dartmouth, I started to learn, you know, how that was affecting my life and how those were things that were fed to me, but I could unlearn them. It wasn't something that was a definite that this mm-hmm. is how you were raised Then this is how it is. It was like, no, absolutely not. Number one, you're not the only person that feels like this. Everyone in your community experiences this constantly. And number two, you can change it through education. And education absolutely saved me. It absolutely saved me. I would not be able to even understand the things that we're talking about right now if I did not educate myself and unlearn everything that had been fed to me from the time that I was a little girl growing up. And so that's- Critical race theory, it gave me a sense of identity and power. And once I could understand, like, this is who you are, when I rejected all those notions of anti-Blackness, and I said, this is who I am. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of my white ancestors. I'm proud of my Black ancestors. I'm proud of my Indigenous ancestors. They are all me. And this is what they went through for me to be here where I am. And this is how I'm moving in the world, right? And learning um, just, again, the history of, uh, uh our our accomplishments in america the negative things all of those things it really genuinely saved me um and i'm very 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 grateful for it now i will say mm-hmm. tying ahead. it back, tying it back to what's going on now even in even in i haven't gone through grad school yet but even in undergrad i meant to say i wasn't being taught critical race theory necessarily i was In I'll say this, in women's and gender studies, right? You're still learning about white feminism. You're learning about Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Susan B. Anthony, the the white women who started this movement for white women. And they were like, oh, I guess black men deserve rights too. Okay, but black women, you're you're black and you're a woman. So we don't really know what to do with that. So Mm y'all just stand over there, right? And so I was, and that's what I was learning in class. I was learning, I was like, how come I'm not seeing black women in this movement. And so I actually took it upon myself within my studies to make what I was learning. I did that legwork, not the professors getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> I did that legwork to learn about black feminism and black feminist thought and understand critical race theory and how it applies to my life. And once I could apply it to my life, I could apply it to everything else and understand it um, in its full full form, right? And so that is why it's so important for, black, for students of color in particular to learn about critical race theory because every day it is being fed to them that who they are because of their skin color or because of their gender identity or their sexuality but always beginning with race they are not good enough they are less than they need to be this or they die you need mm-hmm. to move like this or we'll put you in jail you need to move like this or we'll shoot you in the back we need to you need to move like this or we will use rape as a weapon of you know genocide against your community which True. has been Amongst Black women in America, so you know they need to understand those truths in order for them to grow and be who they are and and be happy in who they are. And then to again, like me, you learn that about yourself, and then you want to educate other people on that, and then you want to learn more about that. And I think what is so, it's just so ugly to put it plainly, is that the far right has made this like it's a like it's a war, like. Yeah. We can't have these young kids of color learning who they are. We we can't have it. We cannot have it. We can't have the truth being taught. We can't have people learning the true story of Thanksgiving, the true story about what happened when Columbus came to this area, to the Americas in 1492. We, we cannot have these people learning about who their ancestors were, what, what we've done to them, because if they understand that, then they'll, you know, they have that power then to you know have that community and rise up and find ways to dismantle racism and dismantle all of these oppressive structural systems um a good example is oh go ahead charlie
0: that energy if that energy was reverted like you're saying could you imagine how long we would have been so further ahead you know hundreds of years ago we would have been so far ahead yeah you know but go ahead. No,
1: one of one of the best examples that I can give everyone, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. But his roots. Um, the scene where they have uh when when Kunta Kinte is they're whipping him because he ran away, right? And they're trying to force him to say, My name is Toby. My name is Toby, my name is Toby. And he keeps saying Kunta, Kunta, Kunta. He will not say this American name. That is not who he is, that is not what his parents named him. That is not his history, it's not his roots. So he continues to say Kunta to a point where he almost dies and then he eventually says it, right? And that scene is very powerful because it goes to the very real life um, thought process that slavers had where you can't just make a slave by breaking their bodies. You have to break them here. You have to get them to believe that they're a slave. You have to, or else it doesn't matter. They can run away. They won't do the work. They'll whatever, but if you can break them up here and make them believe they're slaves and strip them of that identity, their history, then we got them. And For then sure. you add everything else in, right? The colorism. Let's let's put the ones that look like this in the house and make it look like their work is less hazardous. And let's mm-hmm. put the ones that look like this over here. So now, not only have we stripped them of their identity, but now they're starting to have issues with each other. How can they ever get together and rise up against this institution <laughs> if they can't even get together and come together to understand that they're all africans right how and they're all enslaved and they're all being oppressed and they all deserve better if they if they can't even do that then then we're good and so that true. that same mindset from you know when slavery was happening the transatlantic slave trade from europe all the way here that same mindset is happening right now and that's exactly what these white Right, white, right, no, right wing Republicans are uh, trying to continue going, right? And again, there's nuances because they're not calling it the same thing that they were calling it then. It's not slavery anymore. It's let's just teach them that slavery was something that happened, it's gone. We had a black president. Why are you guys still mad? Mm -hmm. Right. It's let's just change the language, but we're going to make sure that they're still not learning the truth about who they are. Because if they do, if they learn critical race theory, if they learn these systems were meant to oppress them, not meant to benefit them, even when we give them the civil rights Act here or there, or we give them Roe v. Wade, we give them this, but these oppressed groups, we have to still keep them oppressed. Otherwise, you know, there's, this, the best way I can describe this part. There's a Toni Morrison quote, quote and she basically says, if, if you, if you have to, in order for you to be tall, if if someone has to be short for you to be tall, you have a problem, mm-hmm. right? And that yes. has always been the problem with white people in America from the beginning, right? When we ask people of color, asked for equality and we ask for equity, that is taken as you need to take from me, right? Like you, so you're saying that I can't be equal if you wanna be equal and we're like, no, you can stay where you are, but you're going to have to divest in some of that privilege so that everybody can live here and be safe and be happy and really live this American dream that everyone talks about. And they, but they take that as a complete threat to their power structure, yes. which it has become at this point. It's
0: amazing. It. I, uh, you know, I highly recommend that people wear, uh, read the uh, Wilmington's lie. It's a very, very, um, especially with the, um, reconstruction and it it really goes into how, you know, the, the outcry was, I want to be equal now. Um, the, the law says that we're equal, we are equal. And so everything started coming into place where home ownership, you know, land ownership, uh, Mm -hmm. judges, uh, lawyers, um, uh, police officers, from um, sheriffs and everything that were, were now have, they were actually black faces, you know, and it was, it was crazy that, you know, it, it, it turned around pretty quickly. And then when that thing, when things started turning around very quickly, what happened is, Oh, we got to do a change. Exactly. Let's put it in law, which is exactly what's happening now. Exactly. Yeah. So, But uh, that was a great book, and and, and I'm still at three quarters done. You know, but I love it. You know, because what happens is that book always stops me. It gives me a fact, and then now I got to go research it. So now I'm into, I'm in. Now I'm becoming entrenched into the second story that they're actually talking about. You Mm -hmm. know, and 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 I'm trying to learn some more. I'm trying to learn me something today, as Mister John Clark says. I'm trying to learn me something today. And so I end up learning that I start learning things and I stay and I get away from the book for a little bit. And then I go back to the book. So, but uh, let's see, let's go to some of these comments here. Um, oh, she's up here preaching, <laughs> preaching, preaching. Again. Uh, hashtag she said what she said. Awesome. And, and it's good. Um and by the way, you know that comment's coming from Dollar More. Dollar More. You know, look into that. I'm gonna I'm gonna have that commercial um, being uh, broadcast during this podcast or before this podcast. When it's on Anchor, Spotify, and YouTube, you will hear that commercial. Dollar More. And it's winter's coming, so it's gonna be dollar Shover. And that's Uh when this young man comes into into play and he does his great, great professional work here. So um, uh, let's see here. This last comment, says, it's a wrap. Awesome. Um, Lost for words. Actually, you, you definitely had made this podcast so beautiful and, and great. I'm I'm loving it. I can't wait to, I always, the best thing about podcast is I listen the day after you know, in a day after now I'm, I'm listening to you, especially when it's in my car and in, in my van, you know, I'm working, I'm listening to it. And I'm saying, Whoa, I missed that. Or that was deep, you know, and, and, and that's what I like about the podcast that I'm able to listen to it the day after and, and surely appreciate what my guests have taught me. And you taught me a lot. You taught the listeners a lot. And, um, let me actually, this comment you should hear and listen. she is absolutely on point. The white majority only sees equal rights as a means of taking some of their rights away. The majority doesn't want us to to be equal because they fear what levels we will eventually rise to and 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 when you talk about raising up to a certain level, you know theres there's not there's not going to be. You know, divide. There's going to be some inclusion. You know, um, I think that when when we rise up, we decide, we become, we we allow people to be inclusive and hear some of the stories and things are not being um, eliminated and and but it's all good. It's all good that we're bringing a lot to a table to the table. We all bring so many things to the table. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, Ciara says, "Protecting our minds and pushing ourselves to unlearn what we've been told, and and be willing to self-educate is crucial." So true.
1: Yeah.
0: Period. Ciara was a was a past guest on the Really Charlie podcast, and um, you know, her book, Misguided. She goes into so much different poetry, and which is right there. In my, that's why I. You know, I love writing. I write every day, and uh, Ciara has definitely wrote something, some things that are very personal, personal, and um, and inspiring. You know, a lot of her poems. I already caught a few things, whether it's within the poem or within the title, and it, it causes me to write. Um, mm. But she's she's definitely got five stars on both her books. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. All right, Laurel. Let's 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 it's tough. This may be, you know, we're at 45, 49 minutes. So, the last question I have here is, um, CRT, critical race theory, was initially debated in colleges and universities. Are the lower levels of education capable of debating something like this?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, they are. Like I said, it's very complicated. The different things of uh, I, for example, um, probably a year ago, I wrote this Facebook post. Um, there was something happening about the debate uh, over gun control. And I basically said, well, if, if we just criminalize whiteness, can can we just do that? And people got mad. People were mad um, because they, they heard that as so you don't want white people to own guns. And And I got reported for it and it got to all that, all that good stuff, cool. But that's not what I said. It's not about white people not owning guns, just like in this situation. It's not about white people being, you know, ignorant or having these things. It's about whiteness. And that is a concept that is a definitely higher level, but can still be, I think can still be broken down, but it's very complicated. And so things like whiteness and even talking about social construct, which whiteness is a social construct which basically says if you are this race, if you look like this, if your skin color is white um, or even any, it's again, it, it's very complicated, but it's, it kind of works for any race sometimes, but based mm-hmm. on whatever race or level of status you have, whiteness is a thing that you can achieve. So it's like a coat that you can put on basically, or a club. Yeah. Like you have to fit these certain, these certain uh, requirements to get into this club. But if you fit them, even if you don't fit all of them, maybe just a few, you can get into this club. And most of the time that has to do with money. It has to do with gender. It has to do with, you know, race again. Um, But that's what whiteness is. And so that's something that is really important to this conversation that I don't think um, younger, even in high school, I don't think would be understood well, just because I'm not sure of any curriculums or anything that would be able to teach it. You know, basically, like I said, I studied it for four years at the undergraduate level and I still am understanding it to this day and finding the ways, seeing the ways that it manifests in people and in, and in situations and in, in uh, American systems and structures. And so it's very complicated. And so that part and those complicated pieces, some things just have to be left to people that have kind of gone through the stages. But that being said, in order to part of going through those stages, you, you still need that basic education before you reach this level, right? Like you have to take a 101 before you take the 200 level class, right? Mm-hmm. And so kids need to be taught just at a minimum their history, like who they are. There's books and and again, it's just sinister. I keep bringing up these words, ugly, sinister, evil because that's what it is. Mm-hmm her books i have a friend of mine my mentor gypsy murphy i hope she sees this but she she at one point was going back and forth with amazon because amazon was selling this book from this author who wrote about uh it's a children's book about harriet tubman and she literally says in the book harriet liked being a slave but right like harriet enjoyed being a slave it's wow. just that her master was mean and she didn't want and if those kind of things are it's totally acceptable for those things to be taught. We have to ask ourselves, why is it such a problem for the powers that be for us to learn about the Dred Scott decision, about Ruby Bridges, Mm -hmm. about Little Rock Nine? Even then, why was it so difficult for that group of students to walk into a school? They had to have the U.S. Marshal Service come and escort them with long guns into high school because people didn't want them being educated at the same level that they were because they were Black. Why is that such a threat? and kids need to learn that they need to learn that history and so that they, they can understand why it for for the for the systems and the structure of racism why them being educated on the history that tells them why blackness is so threatening why equality and equity as it applies to non-white groups is so threatening that we are willing to go through the to, to the to the most extreme heights to to break it down, where like I said, now there people are literally losing their jobs because they're teaching about Black history.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: losing their jobs. It's, it's just is- it's just ridiculous. And at some point, there's this, um, another quote, and I I forget who says it, but it, it goes something like, "Ignorance in of in, in and of itself is not malicious." But when there's truth in the mix and ignorance remains the same, it becomes malicious, right? And so not understanding critical race theory, not understanding why, you know, a lot of people, I don't want my kids being taught that they're less than just because of this. and You know, you're being ignorant. And I understand that maybe you don't understand. Maybe you didn't study this in school or you never paid attention or you're white and you don't have black people or indigenous people in your sphere of influence. And you've only known, you know, people like you your whole life. And I get that. But once I give you the truth and the facts, if you take that and you don't read it, or you don't look at it and on purpose and you say, "uh," then now that's a problem. That's, mm-hmm. that's an issue. That's an issue. And it becomes a weapon, right?
0: So true. The, uh, it, it's, it's amazing how you and I have talked, what, two weeks ago, maybe, um, and, and, and trying to, um, you know, get this going and, and and get this podcast on the air. Um, how much how much more did you learn just by saying, "Hey, I'm going to be on a podcast. I gotta I gotta learn something. I gotta learn something today." And everything that you thought you learned I uh, knew, you learned something else. And this is what this does. This this will always lead us to learning some more and not be ignorant, whether you're black or white. You know, because some people just don't want to fight that fight about it. You know, I got no time for this, you know, and they they believe it to be political and they avoid talking about the issue, talking about it. And and just because it's political, we're kind of exhausted right now. Um, And I try to get many, many people, many, many people to... Give you a question on this podcast. I said, look, 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 no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. It's political. No, I, I got nothing to do. And I'm saying, wait a minute. I'm I'm coming to you because I respect your intellect. I respect what your what you bring to the table. Now I want to bring it to another leader. I want to bring it to a leader. I want to see how she answers it. Guess what? You know, she may teach you something. You may teach her something, but I want to bring these questions out. It's a history class, you know, mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. It's, it's a people class. It's a people class that we're trying to do. And, 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 uh, but, you know, all in all, before I continue on with my rant right here, Laurel, <laughs> you you definitely did me good on this podcast. You did our our people good. You did our country good. By bringing this intellect to the table, and um, and there's going to be many more that are going to see this. So, we have created a history lesson. We have created a lesson, a class lesson. Let me say that we created a class lesson for someone else to learn. When it's on Anchor, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, someone's going to learn today for what you spoke about and what we discussed. So I appreciate you coming on here today. It really, really means a lot. And and look at this. We got some comments here that someone asked if you knew the name of that book. Um, maybe I'll try to look it up too and put it in the comment sections later. Um,
1: oh, yeah, I can find that. It's still up there. That's the, that's the other thing, by the way, is that I think that she ended up getting blocked from seeing that page in general because Amazon oh, okay. was get down um so that also is a thing but yeah it's still there there, and people can still buy that but they can't buy angela davis and bring it to school if they want to
0: yeah this (laughs) might be the most important podcast you have done what an impact wow hey that's pretty that's nice nice to hear and i gotta agree um i knew this um our mutual friend, Gardner Green, and G- Gardner Green, he knew it. You know, he said, Great job. You know, um, it's another good, good supporter. Frank Slaughter says, There's so much value in truths. And Frank Slaughter says, And understanding the truth would erase disinformation and stereotypes about others that the actual telling the truth would bring us together with a powerful weapon, truth.
1: Exactly. That's, That's a really great point, Frank, that I'm glad that you said that. Because again, when I talk about the opposition... A lot of times, people ask. I we did an episode on Grapevine on this, and it was a complete mess. Um, complete mess. We had some Candace Owens level black Republicans just saying nonsense, and a, and we didn't get to say what we wanted to say because we were just going back and forth with that them those those people. But. A lot of times people ask, why do you think there's such a pushback against critical race theory, right? And again, it, it, the the only reason that I can think of and that a lot of scholars and academics have come up with is just the truth, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want people to learn the truth for the reasons that I've laid out on this, on this episode. That power that comes from identity, if you can strip that from people in black and brown communities, then you can control them. And the people who sit there and act like they don't understand, and I'm talking about, The people in Washington, I'm talking about the people that pull the strings in America, the rich and the powerful white people who pull the strings in America, they know, they know. And they get on these shows and they may act like they, whatever, they don't wanna talk about it, but they understand that when black and brown people know the truth and when that truth is taught even to white children, whoever you are, but when the truth about America, about who we are, how we got to be here, what we're still doing, there are still children in cages as we speak. When we start talking about that more, they know it's it's, it's over. Mm -hmm. It's over, right? Because now these people have the tools to rise up and to say no more. You know, we're not going to let white supremacy plague this nation That and I'm glad that you said it in the beginning, like you're proud to be an American, you're proud to be here and I am too. And a lot of people in, you know, a lot of my colleagues will be like, well, why? How can you be proud? Because my ancestors made the best of a really trash situation, Mm -hmm. you know, that they were like, they really did. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud of what we built. And I want the world to know that. I want everybody to know and be proud of their histories. You know what I mean? And once once we can all do that, again, it's people look at white supremacy like it's crosses burning on a, a, a lawn or a Dylan roof or all these different people. Um, and that is a piece of it. But the biggest thing is, again, this just this control over education, this control over voting rights, which is also a big thing that we're struggling with right now, the, the Voting Rights Act being gutted. Mm-hmm. By the disgraced former president, president who, I, I normally call him Voldemort, <laughs> or from Harry Potter, or I say he who shall not be named because I just don't want. I have to sage in here now after that. Just even thinking about him, but you know what I mean. Yeah, um, it, there's just constant attacks being being made on voting, on 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 equality, on education, on human rights, on protesting, um, on uh, even in my field that I'm in now, and hiring um, practices. You'd be surprised. All these different places where well, oh, there's just no black people that know how to do this. Yes, there is. You know yeah. where where are you pulling from when you're hiring? You know what I mean. And what's the reason that you're not pulling from those places? So, mm-hmm. so when you when you're able to learn critical race theory and and the history the way I've learned it, again, you're able to ask those questions, and it always leads to the structures. The structures were made this way. At the end of the day, America was made by white people for white people, and that's exactly. true. And there's so much. There's so many facts that are out there and I hope nobody in the nobody's been, you know, feisty and I'm glad cuz I don't want to, you know, spend too much time on that but if you need that information google it and you can look it up and see start yeah, with 92 and work your way down start with the transatlantic slave trade and work your way down learn about it if you're Cape Verdean learn about your ancestors who they were where they came from
0: Yeah and and do, do your work And, and as we're trying to, to learn that you know, it's it, learning is you have to learn the person in the mirror. You have to learn that person first. And if you don't learn it, look for it, look for it. It's it's, it's And you're going to be amazed. You're going to be and amazed.
1: If and if you're afraid what? to look for that person, ask yourself why. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's the Knowledge is power.
1: Is that supposed to be an exclamation point or a question mark? Uh, I think it <laughs> should power. be yeah it
0: should be just <laughs> like this hello is boom yeah. you know bam yeah. and knowledge is power it's so so important right. the um well we got to do this again you know and and i don't um one thing um i want to recommend well uh some of my friends they have the wind down podcast you know they get to give you a uh, little glass of wine and you just kind of talk about different subjects and um but i'm gonna have them reach out to you i'm gonna have them reach out to you because it's a male and female host you know and uh it's b carter and c lister and what they do is they just talk about things like you're talking about it doesn't have to be critical race theory it might be just something about with with um you know, women and, and, and and women empowerment. And that's something that I I hope I'm going to highly recommend and tell them to reach out to you. The only thing is they're, uh, they do their podcast live, you know, you have to go into the studio, which is in New Bedford. And um, I think it would be something that would be nice um, for you to be, but I'll reach out to them. I'll see them Tuesday night um, and I'll shoot them a text during the weekend and, and have them reach out to you. Uh, do you mind if I give them your email?
1: No, go for it i you know i i again it's an honor to be here um and, you know and anyone else that I collaborate with um and we we talk about these issues um I take it very seriously a lot of uh i think i I get nerves working up to it, not because i I don't want to speak or I get nervous in front of people. Um, but anytime I'm speaking, whether it's in person or on a podcast, and I'm discussing these issues, there's it, just that sense of anxiety or nervousness. I don't know which one it is, because, because it's such an important platform. And it's, so, you can, like, if I had someone when I was, you know, if podcasts were more popular when I was in middle school, and I could listen to someone saying stuff that I said right now, my, my, I would have avoided so many pitfalls that I went through growing up being a black girl trying to act like I was white. I Mm -hmm. I just would have. And so for any child, any adult, any whoever you are, to, to be able to reach those ears, even if it's just one person and knowing that you have the power and the capability to change their way of thinking or to change their lives, that person might be the next big might be the next big activist that our generation remembers their name and they take us into a new decolonial state. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, but, 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 but it's, it's really important. It's really important. And so I, you know, I was telling you before we started, I, I don't take it for granted at all. And it's, it's a huge honor to be considered to, to do it.
0: That's it. Um, my friend, Laura, uh, Cheryl says, Laura and, and Charlie, thank you for a great show. And it was a great show. Laura, who was your lighthouse? Who was your lighthouse growing up? Let's give them some praises. Let's give them some flowers. Like we're giving you flowers right now for this great podcast. You know, who was your lighthouse that gave you, that allowed you to see that light that led you in a direction that, you know, mom and dad are proud of. And and that you're proud of. Who was that lighthouse in your life?
1: Yeah. Um, well it's it's interesting because while I talk about growing up and you know being kind of socialized around whiteness and things like that, the family that I had around me, although they may not have had the capacity all the time to teach me you know that about anti-black racism and how that can manifest inside yourself and how you can be mm-hmm. anti-black inside as a black person, they might not have had yes. that that language to say those things. but my mom, my dad, my cousin Melanie. My cousin Sage, my grandmother, Dolores Spencer, who's like mm-hmm. everyone in New Bedford knows my Grammy. Um, yes. they gave me the tools to always want better for myself and to always shake up the silence, question what's normal. Why is that normal? You know, ask, ask questions, do things that are outside of your comfort zone. Because, you know, they always gave me that. Um that push, my uncle David always used to say that, every time he, to this day when he sees me, my uncle David Spencer always says, Mm -hmm. I always knew you're gonna be a lawyer. You're gonna be a lawyer. When I was a little girl, like I think when I was born, he was like, she's gonna be like, I can just, I have a sense, right? And he like prophesied over my life that I was gonna be an attorney. And they always just gave me that encouragement that it's like, you have a voice. And they directed that voice, right? They directed that voice to make sure that I always use it for good and for empowerment. Um and for God. And so for that, you know, I I my family is everything. My family is everything. And that that's my lighthouse right there. And it's strong and it's gets taller every time I learn something new. And yeah.
0: That's uh that's good. I get that um that uh saying the light who is your lighthouse from uh childhood friend Stephen Pemberton. He wrote the book, The Lighthouse.
1: Oh, okay. Um, it's very he's
0: from New Bedford, very, very inspiring yeah. story he was a guest on here not too long ago um so and 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 I want to give the flowers to David Spencer a very good man to me throughout my life since I was a young young man young young child rather yeah. and um and he's definitely been uh he tells me stories about my my dad and him you know and 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 how my dad um, affected him and, and inspired him in many ways um, just being that protector you know so mm. so you come from good from a good rooted tree and I'm very happy that yeah. you and I can now be friends and, and build on this relationship and definitely uh, let's do things together and whether it's this podcast or me just you know us both just supporting each other and whatever we're doing um, Absolutely. that's what it's about All right, let me see. uh, um, Frank Slaughter saying, excuse my typos. I'm watching from an iPad, iPhone rather. Frank, you did. We got your message, man, and and we talked about it. You know, Laurel just definitely talked about it. It was a good, 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 good comment. And those are the things that we need on this podcast. MC Elder Salah Mateos, a great mentor, a great advocate and definitely a huge part of the Cape Verdean independence um and the civil rights movement. So, Salah, thank you for tuning in um to the podcast. Laurel, whatever you want to end this podcast in, you can say it, you know, and it may be just a goodbye or hello or whatever it may be, but um I want to end this podcast with uh, you saying something to us.
1: Thank you. Um, You know, I want to say that we who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. And for everybody watching, for everybody that you share this with, do your work. Do your work. It starts here. It starts here. That's it.
0: Man, facts. You dropped the mic and you don't even have one. (laughs) 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 I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right my dear
1: all right thank you charlie for having me i can't thank you enough
0: Oh, i can't thank you you know and uh listen listening to this podcast the day after is even better so you uh listen to us later on anchor spotify youtube and facebook all right my dear electric hug here you go all right peace god bless god bless all right There's something about good people, and Laurel Berryman is good people. She's definitely bringing her education to the front lines, and you 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 listen to her in this podcast. You know she got you. She got you. You're gonna. She's that. She grabs your ear with not not like a nana or a papa ear. You know grabbing. You know she's she's pulling on that ear, and she's allowing you to listen to her voice, her intellect. Um, and I enjoyed everything that I listened to her through podcast and, um, and she's definitely got a fan. Charlie Perry is a fan of Laurel Berryman and everything that she brings to the table. Um, she's, she's a teacher and she doesn't even know it. She's teaching us some of the things that we need to know as a country, as a people. Um, and, uh, you know, I love being here. I love this country but we got a ways to go and we're working on it. And between myself and many other people, we're going to change some things. Um, And and then Cheryl, Cheryl says she is a sweetheart. She is a sweetheart, you know, but she's also going to tell you what you need to know. And um, so this was a great, great podcast. One of my favorites already. And we just, we're not even ended yet. So we're going to continue to bring on guests like, just like, Laurel Berryman, and, and we're going to bring them on and, and, and just listen to what they have to say. You know, it's about giving them flowers while they're standing. And I hope I gave her the flowers that she deserves. You know, dozen roses, two dozen roses. She definitely deserves everything that she got. All right, everyone. Continue to listen to the Really Charlie podcast on StreamYard, Anchor, Spotify, Facebook, and YouTube. Um, We will be back on the podcast Wednesday, December 1st with William Kennedy, a local local artist um, who's now venturing on to his own business. And I want to highlight him also and some of the things that he's done. And I'm very proud of him. All right. God bless. Thank you very, very much for listening. And uh, if you need anything, give me a holler and continue to add to the comments during this podcast, and we'll try to address anything that you have, any kind of concerns. I'll put you in the right direction of understanding critical race theory, a.k.a. CRT. All right. God bless. Stay blessed and be well.